0: Welcome back to season 3 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host Kofi Outlaw, and with me, as you can see, I got a full crew. Oh, well, this and a full crew today. I have Matthew Aguilar. What <laughs> up? Janelle Wheeler. Hey guys. And joining us Two of our heavy hitters that you guys may not see here a lot, but are but are do always know that their influence is there. We have one of our top editors and one of our Star Wars experts, Mr. J.K. Smith, is back with us. We haven't seen you in a long time, in like a year, buddy. I know it's been a long, a long year.
1: How's everyone been?
2: We <laughs> <been> office. <laughs> yeah.
0: surviving. I hope.
1: Long time. Yeah. We're all here. You.
0: Yeah, the show's that still a, here. A, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I'm beginning to have this like weird bridge, like where I just erase a lot of 2020 and like revert back to 2019 and the last time I did these things. Uh, as we started to come out crazy. of this, yeah, right. So, one person you guys have seen a lot around here also is one of our Marvel experts, Mister Adam Barnhart. Is here again.
3: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: And uh, we brought you two on because you guys have been at the forefront of something exciting we're doing here at comicbook.com this week. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming out on Friday, and these two are at the spearheading the forefront to kind of help us better serve our geek community and our fans, and they have created something called Comic Book Cram. So, JK, I guess, take it away. Why don't you explain to people what Comic Book Cram is all about and what we're doing with Falcon and the Winter Soldier this week?
1: Yeah, so um, basically we have been doing these initiatives for big releases like uh, for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Everyone contributed and did Star Wars Week. For Avengers Endgame, we did something similar for Avengers Week. And so we basically wanted to um, make a, a branded icon that, our readers would come and be able to recognize and connect to and as soon as they know that a big project is coming out and they want to learn more about it they can come to comic book and check out comic book cram so we're starting that initiative with the falcon the winter soldier but you know we have plans to do that more throughout the year for a lot of the big releases so you know i'm not going to spoil what the next one is it's loki but um uh we will be uh Every day this week, leading up to the release of the Falcon Winter Soldier, we have our team of writers who have basically kind of come together and uh, brainstormed all these different ideas of topics they were interested in and characters that uh, people would want to learn about. Um, we had uh, two really, really great pieces that it, people should really check out um, by Aaron Perrine. Um, he wrote uh, a story about the comic book Truth, uh, Red, White and Black. Um and he also wrote a story about Sam Wilson and why he kind of his legacy as the Falcon and why that kind of shapes uh, the kind of Captain America that he will be. And so those are two really powerful stories. Adam wrote a really great story uh, about um, Batrock the Leaper, and uh, Jamie Lovett wrote one about uh, US Agent. Nicole Drum wrote one about Sharon Carter. So we're kind of just showing love mm-hmm. on these characters that. Uh, that, you know, maybe that kind of fell through the cracks in the MCU and that are now kind of getting their chance to shine and just uh, letting the readers know what they what they should know before the show comes out.
0: So, J.K., thank you for that explanation. You're being modest, though. These guys have gone in, and, <laughs> I mean, they've broken down anything you need to know about the Falcon and Winter Soldier, from the smallest yes. side characters to the biggest storylines that are going to affect the show. I mean, we've got it all. If you go to our comicbook.com Marvel page, it is crazy. Look for that comic book cram marking it has everything you could possibly want to know about everybody and everything in this show. Like our writers went nuts on this. Uh, I'm so proud that they've done this because any, like I said, one stop shop, anything you need to know, but that's just the sizzle. Here's the steak. In addition to doing all of this, me, Adam and JK have all gotten to see the first episode of the Falcon and the winter soldier. And we are here now to give you our spoiler free reaction so you guys are safe this is all going to be absolute spoiler free and we're just here to tell you what we've thought about it kind of after initially seeing the first episode i'll go real quick and keep it succinct i think this show is going to be interesting i think like wandavision though it's going to surprise people in the kind of angle that it takes especially in this first Ooh. episode um it may not be quite what you think if you're thinking it's non-stop kind of action spy stuff there's a there is that in this but it's also very much a look at what do what is everyday life like for the more grounded heroes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe the guys who have to worry about things like mortgage payments and you know all that stuff and especially after you've lived the superhero life where there's this thing called you know like the decimation and the blip and where everybody's had to come back and now half the world is back. And what is that like? And what kind of chaos does that create? So there's a lot more of this kind of grounded looking at the civilian side of the MCVU after these years. And I found that very interesting. I think some fans may be thrown by that. And especially this first episode, because it is very heavily about who Bucky and Sam. and, And I think it's needed because these were side character sidekicks in the movies for them to get fleshed out on their own and just say, who are are these guys and what are their personal struggles and what is the reality of their daily lives in a post-Captain America world? Um, So that was me, and I enjoyed it. But like I said, I think fans are going to be thrown a little bit by this first
3: episode.
2: Wow, that's interesting.
3: Adam, what do you think? Uh, I loved it. Uh, surface level, I, I love the initial thing. Um, you bring out Grounded, which is funny because um, that's the G word Marvel television always used. And the first thing that came to mind was Falcon and Winter Soldier is I think everything that entity, that outfit always tried to do with their shows through Netflix or, or what have you. Um, it's crazy what happens when you give a show a budget, right? Okay. Um, but uh, it, it is very... It's not as action packed as, as I thought. Um, it's it does feel very microscopic. You know, you bring up the mortgage part, and that's just stuff you can't explore. You can give in game a three and a half hour runtime, but they're not going to explore that type of stuff. And that's that's another aspect this the show does really well. Um, but yeah, surface level, I, I love the initial initial look at it at least.
1: Jk. If you give, Ad, if you give Adam an opportunity to talk about marvel television he will take I will. it i will every single, every time, single man. time every single, every this, man single loves, time. this man loves this man loves the netflix shows and agents of shield no so um yeah you know i really liked it too uh, i thought it was uh, a little bit lopsided the action is kind of front heavy and then the character stuff is uh, in the back so um it does like you know you don't go get off to a rip roar and start um with these intense action scenes that are pretty much on par with what you saw in like the winter soldier movie so that's really cool if you're a fan of those and then you know like aerial combat stuff because the falcon flies spoiler alert um (laughs) there's a lot of like cool top gun type sequences in the in the show so i thought those were really really interesting and you know like like you know you've already mentioned the character moments but it is really awesome to dive deep on a character like bucky who has been through so much in his entire life there and like the show he, he says it in the show like he's never had a moment to process his trauma and now we're getting to see those character moments kind of come to the forefront and so i mean i really really enjoyed it there's a you know a bunch of cool stuff in it that marvel fans will definitely love um you know the the uh, reveal of Mephisto as the bad guy was very yeah. surprising. I'm just kidding. Amazing. I'm just kidding. That is not. <laughs> do
2: I was about to scream. You started a whole other
1: Reddit thread. Thank you for that. Don't
2: start. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, Best no, part of the podcast so far.
1: Um, thank you. I I hope I can have more. Um, yeah. So okay. it was it was interesting. I
0: really liked it. Okay. Uh, there you have it. So that is our impressions of the Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Do you guys have any questions, Janelle Matt, as as the uh, lowly two have not been able to see <laughs> Janelle, do you have so anything? Sad. I mean, well, I have my, like one or two, but.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, Joe just answered it. Uh, I was just going to ask, like, are we going to see character <laughs> development on Winter Soldier and like kind of his past? and you know, how broken he was because we just kind of went straight from like, Hey, I'm going to get frozen in Wakanda and try to be better. And then all of a sudden he just appears and is battling on our side. And I just want more character development with him, but you answer that. I'm very excited about it.
0: Yeah. I would say that's that's the best. I think that's the best part of this first episode actually is the Bucky winter soldier, Kind of dealing with there's a there's a whole setup but I'm not going to spoil but there that is the best portion so story thread of this sure. first episode. I'm
2: glad they acknowledge oh, that.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's, it's really, really awesome. and it is really intense in in that sense of the drama is actually really intense, which I think is the, th- the thing that threw me. The action is not so much intense in this first episode. It's the drama,
2: uh, the drama
0: of what Bucky is trying to trying to go through as he's trying to kind of get back to normalcy. And also a lot of the struggles that Sam goes through, and I like already, and this goes back to kind of Aaron's piece, I think that a lot of the kind of racial dimensions that Marvel added to Captain America in this lore, in this story, are going to be very prevalent in this because Anthony Mackey's story is kind of very much rooted, rooted in African-American culture and struggle and, and issues and things like that, and that you see in this first episode as well. Um, not only just like, what does it mean to be a hero, but what does it mean to be like a black hero? And, you know, when the hero part kind of fades away, like what is, what is daily life again, like with you? Um, so I think those are the best parts of, of it and the more interesting, but Bucky's is more interesting by far to me so far.
1: Cool. Definitely. It's also telling that the in the credits, they have a special thanks, you know, where they thank a lot of the comic creators on the runs that uh, that came before that inspired the show. And like Mark, Gr- Mark Grunewald's Captain America run is, you know, his name is in there. But it's it's very telling that Nick Spencer and Daniel Acuna's Sam Wilson Captain America run is in there, but not Rick Grimender's. So it shows that they are diving deep on the on the issue of race, being a black man in America, a black Captain America, like that's going to be at the forefront. And it's really interesting to see. Um, so, OK, so for
4: me, that's the most interesting part of all this is like the stuff that Kofi was talking about and seeing Sam, how someone uh, assumes the shield, how what that means to them. Um, what a different person holding that shield of a different skin color, how people react to that, like all that stuff that was core to that comic series. Uh, that's the most interesting thing to me. So my so my question is I was disappointed as most people know with WandaVision because it was thought it was very surface. I, I need an exploration of those themes in greater uh, depth than, oh, hey, they exist. And that's what WandaVision did for grief. So I need that in this show, is this show going to give that to me from your initial impressions?
1: I think you get the first step that that's a major component mm-hmm. to it. Um, there is a, a specific scene that, uh, begins to uh, tackle and approach that um basically like what is an experience like for a black person in america in a very uh a very common type of situation that a lot of people find themselves in and why it's unique it's a unique experience for a black american um but it also uh it, it it kind of doesn't go too deep into that aspect just yet it there's one scene in particular that and that addresses that um it's hard to tell whether you know that it'll go any further but it is off to i think a good start in addressing that
0: aspect
4: okay all right cool yeah i told and, you i was spicy
0: and they do a good job of kind of showing sam as a complicated figure of conflicting impulses he's a hero he's a black man he's a military man um and all of these things kind of inform who he is but not necessarily in a fully cohesive way and i don't want to spoil anything by saying more but you can you begin to see people or or things go at him about these kind of conflicting sides of who he is Um, and so that's interesting yeah cool so And there is some pretty cool action. So let's not just all, you know, we're not going to poop on the action. There is some pretty cool action, too. So some pretty cool and some pretty intense stuff, too. So Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier continues to be an interesting kind of uh, experiment in this Marvel TV thing and how we're kind of coming to it. And it'll be interesting to see how people react to this first episode uh, as opposed to the first arc of WandaVision. Okie dokie. Anybody from the questions, any, any, yeah, fans, we forget, we're always live here. Fans, anybody listening, do you guys have any spoiler-free questions you are kind of burning to know before this show comes out? Because we will be happy to, uh, are there cameos? Somebody is asking. Steve Mason. Yes, there are some cameos. I will not spoil any of them, but there are some Marvel Cinematic Universe character. Doctor
2: Strange confirmed. (laughs) No? (laughs) turn it.
0: So, yes, that does happen. You can you can get psyched up and it's not like a big drawn out weird surprise. They're they're fit very organically into the to the story. And then they show up in it totally makes it sense. Whatsoever. No. And and they're and they're both pretty. They serve the story fairly well, I would say. Both of them, by the
4: way, have send Josh. I I also love that line. I, I just rewatched that movie not too long ago. And I love when Sam says that I just do everything he does just slower. It's one of my favorite lines. But I do want a more complex exploration of this because that is such an interesting part of the comics when he takes over. I do want them to explore that. I get the equal thing, but you know, my culture exists on top of who I am. I want that explored if I were ever to pick up a shield and be a superhero. So I do, I feel like you can have both. I feel like you can still have like, yes, they're equals as as a human, but also explore someone's culture that adds to them. It's additive. It's not subtractive that makes sense
2: i feel like this is a good question any post-credit scenes do we need to be aware of to stay tuned in
0: well i was just getting to that one but yes john mason we uh i can answer that no you don't have to stay around there are no post-credit scenes don't you don't okay. have to waste your time there was one more i'm going to answer uh what does the initial dynamic of bucky and sam feel like in the first episode from miguel uh weirdly i can't answer that without spoiling things so i'm not going to <sighs> yeah yeah I, I I know that sounds like a cop-out, but it, I weirdly cannot answer that without spoiling. You're it. So well, you're not spoiling uh, anything, so you're, no, you're doing no, exactly what you're be. supposed to do. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, no, so, uh, I
0: can't answer but that. But you're building so, the
2: hype, and I'm, yeah. like, even more excited now after listening to you guys talk yeah. about this. And one
0: more person asked, no, no post-credit scenes. You don't have to sit through the credits. And one last one. This is a good one. Jay Smith did the digi artist. Are you happy so far with Wanda and Falcon soldier, uh, Falcon winter soldier as a series, or would you prefer Marvel spend the money producing something else? I'm good with this. I I look at this. I think it's an interesting question. We're going to discuss after this week about what does it mean in long form with, uh, to do these things long form because it seems to trip people up as long as it's a series people are like, I could sit through like eight hours of Marvel stuff. But if like Zack Snyder's justice league is a four hour and we call it movie, everybody's like, it's too long, even though they can scream (laughs) it and pause it and stop and do everything you can do for a series. So I, I, I like this long form because it does exactly what Kevin Feige says. It's giving us more character stuff with Sam and Bucky in this one episode than we got through what, four, like three to five movies for each of them. Like, you know, it, yeah, so I, I think it really serves its purpose of building up the character. I think after WandaVision, we all feel much, much more connected in understanding of who Wanda Maximoff is as a character, who Vision is as a character, their relationship, what makes it work. And it's not just a side scene in, in a movie, you know what I mean, where they get one scene in, a, in Civil War and one scene in Infinity War um, to be romantic. So I think it does what it's supposed to do. Are fans enjoying that process? I think that's on a fan-by-fan basis. All right. We're going to take a quick break before we come back, and we're going to go into Zack Snyder's Justice League spoiler-free review and talk comics before we also talk to Star Wars, the High Republic writer, Kevin Scott. So stay tuned because, like I said, this is our most geek-tastic episode yet. We are back. So we did Marvel the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is premiering this week. But the other big premiere that is happening this week is, of course, on the DC side and the long-awaited release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, quick. Quick community announcement here. We are going to be doing a full special episode over the weekend for you guys that is all about Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're going to go through this four-hour movie and break it down full spoilers, and I think that's taking place on Saturday morning. We think we're going to be live. Don't yeah. call me fully for that, but I think we're going live Saturday morning after people have had a couple days to process or just get through this once, and see it and uh, come talk with us on Saturday. So we're going to be doing the full spoiler review of Zack Snyder's Justice League on Saturday. Today is our spoiler-free impressions, just to kind of give you guys a sense of what's coming. And some of you who may be on the fence about whether you want to watch this, we can help you make a decision, Matt. Um, Here we go. So, (laughs) I believe... So basically, uh, I think it's me and J.K. have seen it, right? Correct. And Adam. 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 Oh, Adam. He did a couple yes. of interviews. Oh, for, yeah. this is even better. Great. So I have uh, I have you guys with me again on this. So um, I'll start because I feel like I should clear myself out of the way with the caveat that I am probably the biggest Snyder stan on ComicBook.com by far. I don't think there's even a small. <laughs> It's second place margin like yes it's me <laughs> it's me i'm him um yeah i mean i came through the door my first article here was like why batman superman is smarter than you think and i wrote and I that was it. your first article oh my yeah. god that's right yeah <laughs> and Jeez. like uh yeah i came i came in hot i came in hot to comic book not surprisingly to anybody who works here um yeah and that was like 2500 words that's what i did back then wow <laughs> i was a younger man back then How about yeah. But um so I am the biggest Snyder stand, so that's my caveat. So you guys got to take what I say with a grain of salt, obviously. Um but I I this for me as a Snyder fan who has been I mean you could check the receipts. Yeah, my review from Man of Steel day 1 is out there glowing. My Batman Superman analysis stuff is out there for years and glowing. This for me is the culmination of this vision, right? That this is what we were we're kind of fighting for. We wanted to just see the culmination Zach was building a very kind of clear arc to this universe that kind of culminated in a big way in justice league. And his fans wanted to see that completed vision. We get that. And then some, I mean, we get everything in the vision in this, uh, nothing really left out in, if you have, and I've done the rewatch over the last week or so, I feel like as a set, this builds perfectly from man of steel through Batman, Superman through justice league with all the relevant themes, character arcs, and, and, you know, all the storylines that needed to be that build organically, make sense, and really pay off in this Justice League movie. And not just those three films, but also the other films. It's interesting this came out now, but now that we've seen Wonder Woman for a couple times in films, we've seen Aquaman in a movie, this kind of builds up those franchises in a much better way than I think we originally saw so those characters come out of this much more interesting like i ended and i was like i want to see that cyborg flash aquaman and wonder woman movie now like after this and a new superman movie and that batman movie so he successfully is able to kind of make these characters into their own franchises respectively and these are the best performances i've seen out of these people and i think it shows in first the whole cast who had to get a new director for this And then people like Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa who have worked with other directors on these franchises since then. Um, But this here, Zach is the one and I understand their loyalty because I think in some way he gets best performances out of them as their characters. And even some of the side characters like Amber Heard as Mara is much more interesting in this than anything I saw in that Aquaman movie. Um, And so this does a job of culminating the vision and setting up a whole new DC movie universe I think it does what it's supposed to. I know people are going to have nitpicks, but I think for people like me who are Snyder stands, the things people complain about, like the length, again, you can pause this and stop. It's in chapters. You can watch two chapters and stop. That's not really a complaint in this case. This is a streaming release. It's not in a theater. You're not held hostage for four hours. You don't have to do it that way. Second of all, just some of the kind of the slow-mo, you know, the slow establishing shot. That, I think... For Snyder fans, this is things that we've come to, the flourishes we've come to love, like a J.J. Abrams lens flare or something. Like, these are the signatures we love. And because I love him as a visual director, first and foremost, I liked this feeling I haven't had in a long time with cinema, which is just the delight in looking at something. Sitting and seeing a scene and seeing all the details and seeing the pretty picture. So I don't mind that stuff, but I understand why other people do. So for Snyder stands, I say that all to say, I think this is the payoff you've been waiting for, and you're not going to be disappointed, but that's us. And this is a niche community of people, uh, despite all some of the critics out there trying to pretend otherwise, but we're going to move on to uh, people who (laughs) who are, who are uh, maybe more on the fence and nuanced about this whole thing. Uh, JK, why don't you take it away? What did you think, buddy? So um
1: well like, you know you mentioned like these the, like the length and and the slow motion shots. I mean it is a a visually uh interest it's a very interesting movie. Um and like a third of the movie is slow motion. Like, let's be real. Like, uh, but um, like I said, they, like that's Snyder. That's you're he's, you're going to get a Snyder movie no matter what. So you either like him or you don't. Um, I got to admit that. Like, Nobody is allowed to walk fast in a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> and,
2: um, and like, <laughs> Tosh- even the flash.
1: <laughs> no, that, <even> that flash <laughs> moves in slow motion quite a bit, actually <laughs> surprising. But, uh, the most.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but the movie, like, uh, the movie is interesting because uh, of what it does. Like comparing it to the to the Whedon version, um, it's not a fundamentally different movie. Like the same stuff happens in the in the Whedon version that happens in the Snyder one. The Snyder one is basically just giving like more nuance and more details, more character moments, less superhero lines. Like if you look at the Whedon version, there's like a very specific moment. Uh, in the walk and talk with Aquaman and and Bruce Wayne, where they're meeting for the first time, where their initial meeting is completely different from Snyder's. But then when they're walking and Aquaman jumps in the ocean to swim away, that's basically lifted from the Snyder version, except one line that Whedon
0: inserted into it to add humor. And it's completely unnecessary. Wait, can we pause right there? Because I I wanted to highlight the scene. I'm glad you brought it up. Because it's not just that Josh Whedon inserted humor. There's this that scene was a keystone for me being like, oh, wow, because yeah, like meta he, met he met a craps on Snyder and it happens. And once you see that first scene, which is early on, you begin to notice it again and again in different parts of the movie. where reading. We didn't like literally read what Snyder had written, said to himself, this is crap or I don't like it and went in and rewrote it to make fun of it. So Basically, like yes. Aquaman gives the line in the Snyder and the Josh Whedon version is this humorous moment where he goes, haven't you ever heard strong man is strongest alone? And Bruce Wayne freaks out and goes, that's not the line. That's like the exact opposite of the line. And that's literally Josh Whedon speaking through the script mm-hmm. because Whoa. what we what Snyder did was actually have Aquaman say strong man is strongest alone as as a fundamental belief of who he is and what he's doing at that point and why he doesn't want to be part of this team. That's even if it's flawed logic, it's his flawed logic. And it it goes to his story throughout the film. He keeps resisting the call to, you know, become a hero and join them. And he's like the last holdout. We know that from the theatrical cut, but we didn't literally put that line in as himself, disguised as Batman crapping on what Snyder had said in this kind of meta reference. And there's a lot of that. And you begin to see maybe what some of the cast and crew were saying when they were like having a problem with this director switch
1: definitely yeah it is like it it's it's i'm not the biggest snyder fan um but the movie is definitely better this version of the movie is definitely a huge improvement of it and honestly like the last hour is pretty damn awesome like uh, the last hour of that movie i was like oh my gosh this is actually pretty cool so it, it it was interesting to see the differences like all the dark side stuff is cool the nightmare scene is pretty interesting um it's all it's it's a better version of the movie. If you are not a fan of Snyder's stuff, you're probably not going to be a fan of this one either. If you want to, to like justice league and you want to see a, a better version, this, then it's definitely worth watching. I mean,
3: Adam is kind of in the same boat as I am. I know I like, yeah. we talk about it a little bit afterwards. You guys have said everything I've wanted to say, so I'm not sure, sure what else to say. <laughs> it is exactly what, I mean, if you wanted this, it's exactly what you you could have wanted. You know, there's the slow-mo thing. Dark Side looks amazing. I mean, it's a visually appealing movie. It looks great. Um, You did use the nice word. JK is the nightmare thing was interesting, which the interesting (laughs) is probably the right word for for that moment in particular. But I I didn't mind it. Like, once it gets to where it needs to go, it's very – I think it's a very good – little movie. Um, well, it's not little by any stretch the magic, by the way. Um, but no, I, I, it's, I think it's infinitely better than what we previously got. It's um, it is just four hours and I did have to pause every so often. It took me a whole day to watch it, but I pause other stuff too. That's the best part of streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask
0: you two a question as two people who are kind of more ambivalent about this now that it's over and taking things like that nightmare scene and dark side and and what we say because this this it's not a secret to say this doesn't just end things in the cul-de-sac that they said we're we're getting there's doors opened all over the place mm-hmm. in this for for yeah. more uh, for each characters it.
1: he refilmed it to ask more questions and to yeah on an even bigger cliffhanger. Yes.
0: yeah so yeah. do you guys after you've seen this movie would you want the kind of films that this movie would spark to continue justice league Two, uh, a Batman, the, the, the kind of solo character films that could come after this, that are more influenced by this. Would you like to see it that way? Or were you kind of liking where we were going before this came?
1: I'm interested. I'm interested in what, in what it presented. Um, But the thing is, is, and this is just a very selfish, like I, I want to watch these with my kids and I cannot watch Justice League with my oh. kids, you know? Um, so, I, And that's, I think, the core thing for me is, and it's not that I'm like a Marvel fan more than a DC fan. It's just that um, Marvel kind of has this stricken, this tone that um, that they are interesting for children. Your kids can watch them. Um, I feel like uh, a lot of the DC movies that came after Snyder's uh, 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 Batman versus Superman kind of ba- uh, balance that line as well. Um, But Snyder is strictly for, you know, the adults that grew up with these franchises uh, as kids. And now they want, you know, a a grittier take, a more mature take, um, a more nuanced take, to be honest, because of the things that he includes in in the storylines that he adds. Um, It's just it's just not my cup of tea. That said, I, you know, I would probably watch the hell out of Justice League, too, uh, considering all the crazy stuff that is set up in that.
3: Absolutely, and I agree. Yeah, I'm not going to say no to Justice League 2 after after what we got. I think the ending's probably a spoiler, even though we all know um, what's going on there with the design work and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to say no to Justice League 2. Jim just comes in here, unite the... <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've been in here for four minutes and already jumping the gun. Um, yeah. Okay.
0: Say, uh, now that it's out, out of, now that it's out of the bag. Real quick. Yes. Some people have been asking. Yes. Justice League is one four-hour movie block that has sections or chapters, just like uh, I mean, you've seen other movies that split themselves into chapters. So that's what it is. And yes, there are there are six chapters, and there is an epilogue, which is a very long section within itself at the end. That has a lot of the setup we were talking about was going to let that surprise people. <laughs> um, Way to go. <laughs> uh, but yes, so there's six chapters in an epilogue and it totals four hours total. Uh, we're actually going to put out an article today kind of telling people oh, where each of the timestamps are per chapter. If you want to plan to watch it chapter by chapter oh so i'm helpful. sorry matt go ahead go ahead matt I'm sorry. uh no uh
4: because i i did the whole thing when those uh when those images were up about uh justice league two plans for a snyder uh, yeah i totally read them all because i was like i don't care <laughs> so i read them all right uh i there are ideas in there that if that's where it goes obviously not seeing this particular version and like how it leads up to that or whatever and how much of that is in this or not so, take that with a grain of salt. But, like, looking at some of the ideas there, again, as I've said before, there are some really great ideas at the root of Snyder's DC stuff. In fact, there's too many of them. But my thing is, like, I love some of the stuff there, and there are things I would love to see explored. It's just the cumulative thing altogether, when they're all put together, that I'm like, that's a lot, but I won't spoil that in case people don't want to know that or whatever. But there are, you know, you can find it if you really want to. But there are some interesting things there in just in that Justice League two that Snyder had envisioned originally.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot that this movie does to keep that alive. Okay, um, very much so. Uh, down to some of the crazier like things we read out space time, like all of that is set up in this. Okay. movie, um, So it's all possible. It's all very possible. And yes, as JK said, uh, it is very violent. There is blood everywhere in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just prepare. Do not show this to your kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. People even, I mean, from the heroes, because yeah, when Wonder Woman hits a normal person, it's a very different effect in this movie than in the Patty Jenkins movie. Wow. Uh, Max cool. Next, know that Wonder Woman can hit someone hard enough to pulp them against a wall. You know what I mean? Uh, I love that. And yeah, so... Just that opening scene in Paris with Wonder Woman and the robbery hijack. You instantly know now you're watching a Zack Snyder movie because that's like one early scene that Whedon did very differently. And you're like, oh, no, this is Zack Snyder's movie. Okay, (laughs) like, (laughs) all right.
4: right. So, yeah, don't
0: show your kids that Josh Whedon one's there if you want to show your kids something. All right. That'll do it for Snyder Cut before we stay too much. Uh, I think uh, – Yeah, I mean, somebody's asking, should Snyder become Feige of the DCEU? I would I would support that. I mean, I personally think the action scenes in that last hour of Justice League are better than anything I've seen in the Marvel movies, so I'm just going to put that out there. Wow. wow. Visually Man. speaking, visually speaking statement. I'm talking visuals, <laughs> but the visuals Snyder's put together are second to none. There are things that just made me say, like, wow, like, holy crap.
4: Like, oh my gosh,
2: I have goosebumps. Like
4: comicbook.com's it, yeah. Kofi Outlaw says that, Dude, that DC
2: movie. <laughs> I see. Mean,
0: I JK and Adam that climactic thing with Flash alone, just that sequence alone visually. I mean, am I am I lying in any of this?
3: No, like it looks about- cool. It's great. Yeah, it looks great. I don't want to rank it. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it looks <laughs> the level <fine>. of enthusiasm, <laughs> is good. Adam. Adam is. I don't. I think, that's that's all I can say I, is that it looks. I just good. think
0: Adam physically cannot say oh, that this looks God. better than a Marvel than a Marvel
3: project. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. I don't believe that. I don't agree with you. I'll say that I I don't agree with you. Does it look I, better than I, some? I probably. I think Can I concede that? I don't say uh, (laughs) all, but some,
0: yes. (laughs) I'm gonna go so far as to say I've rewatched all Snyder's films. I've rewatched a lot of Marvel films. If you want to go year by year, from 2013 when Man of Steel came out to how each of those films held up by year and compare them to their Marvel counterparts, yeah, let's put Iron Man three up against Mar- like uh, Man of Steel. Let's put Civil War up against Batman v Superman, and let's put something out this year up against this movie. To be to be fair,
4: I'll take Sucker Punch over Iron Man three. Iron Man three is
0: trash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you,
4: you can call cool me on that. There wow. you go, Snyder fans. You want some support? I just gave it to you.
0: That's
2: all you get. Man, I need to rewatch Sucker Punch.
0: All right, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. I know that uh, J.K., you've got to get going. Uh, Adam, you're happy. You're welcome to stick around. We're <laughs> gonna talk comics next, so uh, yeah. stick around if you like. Uh, J.K., you can hop off, buddy. Thank you for uh, coming and contributing Thanks, and everything. Comic Book yes. Be sure to check out Comic Book Cram this week. We have, like I said, we went. I already went. have
2: it pulled up on my PC right yeah. now. Like it's, I'm so pumped! It looks amazing. Yeah,
0: our staff day went in for Falcon New Soldier, so check that day out. Day three stuff just dropped. Uh,
1: day four tomorrow, and day five, we'll, you know, we'll wrap it up so everyone has a, a review
0: and some interviews. It should be fun.
1: All right, thanks, man. <sighs> yep, take care, guys.
0: All right. Moving on to something less controversial. Matt, what do we got in comics this week? (laughs) Uh,
4: Awesome. So, yeah. So, you know what? Let's just stick with the uh, DC theme here. So uh, we have Justice League number 59, which actually begins the Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez uh, run on the book. This is the direct uh, fallout and moving on from future state. Um, so, I mean, of course, for those who have been reading along and have been reading along with us, uh, you'll kind of be caught up and you'll you'll pretty much have what you need to know kind of going in. This is actually a really good starting point. The only thing I would say is, um, you know, that last like some of the, the Wonder Woman side of things is probably the most gray, because like unless you were kind of keeping up with crisis um, or sorry, death metal uh, and then some of that stuff, you might. Just like be a little lost as to like where the Wonder Woman shaped hole is. But other than that, you'll have a really good idea. So um, just to kind of start us off, um, I really one, I am, I'm gonna say Kofi admitted to being uh a Snyder stand right off the bat. I will say I am a giant fan of uh David Marquez's work. <laughs> <laughs> so like I love Marquez's art. Um, I there's so many, like this book is just to me, is gorgeous. I just love Uh, His style on characters. So we get, you know, uh, this, by the way, I will do spoilers. So we are going to be in the spoiler territory here. So uh, just FYI, I won't go into deep, deep stuff, uh, but there will be some things like that. Um, You know, Black Adam plays such a huge part in this book and as part of this team and so of course there's a lot of black adam in the book we also get uh, naomi uh being added to the team and then there's also one member of the team that will be added later uh in a future issue but um we get a good sense of like the team dynamic we get a new villain and all that i i really dug this i i was all in uh with the lineup hot girl for life and uh you know it's i i think it was fun i think it's a really good starting point and it does some interesting stuff as far as like exploring What the Justice League means to everyone, uh, wanting to actually uh, give justice to everyone and not just like a select few. And it, it kind of explores that idea. And I hope they explore it more because here they just touch on it. Uh, so Janelle, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, it you summed that up perfectly. It felt like that was a setup for, to me, I thought that that was kind of like the whole theme of the books going forward. Um I thought that they were wanting to make sure that they're protecting everyone. And uh, yeah, providing justice for all. And um it was just really cool to see these characters come together because this is my first like real Justice League comic. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when, you know, when Arrow walked in and I, I just, it was just very exciting. Right. Like I was pumped to see the dialogue between certain characters that I had never seen before. Cause I'm, I'm a, like a TV show and a movie watcher. So to see them working together and being in the same environment was really exciting for me and uh you're right the art was really lovely it felt so clean and um and the the jaw lines and the their their faces are gorgeous <laughs> so <laughs> i mean they look like beautiful hollywood actors or something so i thought the art was beautiful and i'm very intrigued i wouldn't say that this is like it blew me away but mm-hmm. i think it's setting us up for something really exciting and i can't wait to see where it goes
4: agreed yeah i wouldn't say yeah. like was like my hands down best issue of 2021 or anything (laughs) but yeah i really but i really enjoyed it also uh you know we are actually uh going to get to talk to uh mr marquez uh quite soon uh on the show so be on the lookout for that um but you know one of my favorite people that he draws is actually superman because of just that. like i i've said it before it's like this nonchalant Badassery. He doesn't love. look incredibly
0: imposing, yeah. but like
4: he just is a—he's just awesome and he's powerful and he doesn't ever flaw it. So that's yeah. one of those things I always love. Kofi, what do you think about the issue?
0: Um I'm kind of on the opposite end. On like, I'm not a Bendis stand very much. Uh, hmm. Bendis can be really hit or miss for me. True. And so, uh, while I liked a lot of the interesting concept that this first book did, I found it a little bit comic booky, reductive. I'm really hoping that this new villain they introduce, Brutus, that there is there are some kind of hints. There are some suspicious characteristics to this villain that make me think there's something else that's going to be revealed about him. He seems too straightforward and two-dimensionally arch. He's a powerful being. He's basically like horned mongol who just comes from another dimension saying, <laughs> "Now this is all mine" and stuff. Yeah. But um so I found it kind of very flat, comic book-y. Uh, but I think it is misdirection for something more complicated. I feel like because the Justice League talk about justice for all is a deeper concept, and there's just something in Brutus's behavior and dialogue that make me feel like this is not what it initially seems to be. This yeah. seems almost like I feel like there's like a young person who's getting like a Shazam age up or something. It mm-hmm. feels like there's a juvenile inside this villain, just by the way he talks and the way he behaves and and things like that. It seems like there is more than meets the eye here, and I'm hoping for that because. This first one was just kind of basic and and comic booky in a way, which is what Bendis does. But I don't necessarily enjoy that. So there are elements in it that I liked. The art's gorgeous, of course, um, but the story was just kind of basic and flat comic book stuff to me.
4: I get that, and I and I'm I I I tend to my ratio of Bendis uh, story love is typically like I I like a lot more of Bendis than I dislike. You know, like there but the things that don't hit for me don't hit. Like, <laughs> like at all. It's like, okay, I don't even want to. That's just not my jam. Uh, but I, I'm a fan. I mean, i was especially a, a big fan of Bendis's Marvel work, especially some of his earlier stuff. Um, so for the villain, uh, Brutus, uh, you know, in talking because we got to talk to Bendis and Marquez a little bit about the book, uh, which you should see later today. Um, but you know, one of the things is that like, if you are a Naomi fan uh, she's one, an instrumental part of this book, but two, we're actually going to get a lot of, um, looks at like her world. We haven't really seen it. We've seen glimpses, we've heard things and all that stuff of like this world that essentially like the ozone layer crumbled and (laughs) like all these, you know, it's a very dystopian place. Um, you know, we're going to get a lot more of that and actually get to see that. And Brutus plays a big part in that, so I I agree with Kofi. Like I I feel like he has a little bit of something interesting to him, but like it's not fully there yet. And I'm hoping that as we go forward,
3: some of those ideas will come to roost. Um, Adam, what do you think? Um, I will clear out my life savings to buy any comic David draws. Um, so that's <laughs> that's just my general thoughts. You guys pretty much explained everything else I wanted to say about it (laughs) comic bookie as kofi said i mean that's kind of my review or or take or whatever you want to call it comic bookie and good old bendis type stuff i suppose very indifferent is what i'm trying to get across by the way your interview
4: killed or your your review killed my internet connection
3: (laughs) rip i blame you so bad (laughs) everyone's just closing up shop (laughs)
0: yeah it's been pretty hairy down here in nashville we're in the middle of a lightning storm right now so yes so so
4: i'm
2: sorry tornado warnings (laughs) i came
0: in midway i just as a quick
4: uh because everybody else heard i don't want to make you repeat it but uh, but did you did you like it or not i heard bits
3: (laughs) i enjoyed it more than i disliked it yes okay perfect i blipped
4: a little bit sorry about that guys um so yeah okay interesting um So moving on to – let's move on to some Marvel before I disappear again. Uh, We were talking (laughs) – we've talked a lot about King of Black on this show, um, and so Spider-Man finally got his time in the King of Black sun, so to speak, with uh, the new spinoff, just one shot, I believe. Um, I will say, again, uh, Jed McKay, uh, we are big fans of him on the show because of Black Cat. Uh, He is, to me, there's a very familiar vibe to this automatically just going from there if you've been keeping up with that run. And it's one I love. I actually just really enjoy uh, his take on these style of characters. And uh, at first, the first like two pages, I was a little worried, not gonna lie. Cause like there's a bit of that like Spider-Man melodrama that pops up right at the beginning. And I was like, I don't know. I can't take a whole issue of like Spider-Man not feeling sure of himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a little overkill. Right. Um, and then thankfully it like, like it it changes a couple pages in and we're like okay we're good we can deal with the occasional self-doubt but like i can't do that for a whole thing we've had some of those in the 90s and they weren't so great so um this i i love also i cannot believe that i want to read a reptile book at the end of this i I did not see that coming uh by the way uh it's looking great for spanish people right now in the marvel universe (laughs) Harrison DC Universe get another book. I'm so excited about that. Uh, but I did not realize I would want to read it. And they actually made me care and made me want to read uh, that when it comes out. And For those who don't know, Reptil is literally someone who can turn into any dinosaur, which I feel like my love of Power Rangers just like jumps right over to Marvel. And so like that's my that's like my best that's like my best thing is just meeting in the middle. So I was, I really enjoyed this issue. Again, it's not going to set the world on fire, but I really enjoyed it. So, uh, Janelle, I know you're a big fan of King of Blackwood.
2: Yeah, you. I love King and Black. I'm, I'm literally like even the ones that we aren't reading and sharing <laughs> on stream. I'm finding them, searching them, what like reading all of them. Uh, I just, I love. Noel I love this villain I think it's just really really cool and um yeah this was just a great story it had me from the beginning I was a little like um not familiar with this dinosaur shapeshifter um and so Most the, are. yeah <laughs> and the fact that I could kind of get into it that quickly in one episode and just really episode I love it I'm saying that one <laughs> issue is really exciting I was I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see more of him. And um it was just well done. It's just a cute, fun, you know, this is a very dark villain and storyline. Like it gets really intense, but this one's kind of like hopeful. And Spider-Man's like, I can, I may not be able to do what the A-list team is doing, but I can do what I can do and I will do my best. And I don't know. It was <laughs> just kind of it was just, I don't know, wholesome and good. I like yeah. it.
4: It's, it's fun for time to time. Sorry, Kofi, didn't have enough slow-mo battles in it for you. I apologize. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so sorry yeah. that this book uses color. But hey, wow. whatever. It's fine. Hey, um, this, you what had you no think reason. of the issue, Kofi?
0: There's no reason to slam Justice League. You, I this, just saw you in the comments, Corny. Because of this <laughs> trash-ass like, comic. Because the of, the, artist. Because oh, of this trash-ass comic that should have been given away on free comic book day. <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah, like, Come on, man. Come on, bro. Oh like, my god. All right. Look like look, okay, let's where to
2: begin. Um first of all, spice. i see I, that's I how out- I feel about all these X-Men things you're making me read. Oh! I don't understand and I'm There's so confused. So much spice happening and right I'm now. bored and I'm sitting there just reading nothing but dialogue about things I don't know. At least I get this. Like and, I know what's you know, happening.
0: Love it. Uh, Sorry. I, I, I don't <laughs> even know where to begin with that statement about. It's the just things, hard
2: for beginners. To I mean you just open X-Men. the
0: door to a lot by saying the door the things you can understand. I'm not gonna assess any of that. I'm <laughs> gonna go <laughs> um about what you can and can't assess in the values of that. Dark, I'm gonna move lunch. on. Uh, all I gonna say is, from the very first pages, I'm already out on the idea of now Spider-Man's got to deal with anxiety issues. Okay, like uh yeah, I don't know when uh, that
4: actually started. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm not. I am not in. I'm not in for Spider-Man's anxiety issues. Like bro, just miss me with that so hard, <laughs> so hard. I can't tell you how much I. Can't. I understand though. I, I do I, I not want to read. I agree on
2: like that it. too. Um,
0: so reptile. I mean, this was an interesting kind of bonding, mentorship role for Peter Parker. But that character, I mean, it's just a corny thing. He turns into a flesh-colored dinosaur. Like, he turns you know, into dinosaurs. How is that corny? A flesh-colored Whoa. dinosaurs. I would turn uh, into a dinosaur now. But do you want
4: a hot pink I dinosaur? Like, I
0: feel like you turn into a dinosaur every time we do this show. I like, would ignite
4: I would ignite the Land Before Time franchise on my own just by turning into Littlefoot.
0: And, and I'm sure you like that. Um, but we did, I mean, we basically recreated every Spider-Man movie, right? Because That's they true. go and they save a fairy.
2: True. Of New true. Yorkers That's who true. then
0: bond together and say, everybody support Spider-Man and Dinosaur Boy. We're New Yorkers. We're in it together. Like it's Spider Man 2, Homecoming, every Spider Man story ever, but with a dinosaur kid in a, in a <laughs> Indian dragon thrown in. Um,
4: okay, we, if we're going to add fuel to this fire, I'm just going to say this is better. I will take this over the Homecoming and Far From Home shtick every day of the week. Can we good just luck. say that we're just hey, throwing man. out hot takes? So I will take that because those movies good, are overrated.
0: Good luck at that lunch table in the corner where it's you and the two other people who. <laughs> <say it. laughs> I'm used to that. How
4: do you think my lip? You my guys life?
0: are fierce. You guys are fierce, and I love your passion. You guys can go over there and show uh, yeah, up for the dinosaurs, um, man. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, to be honest, on a serious note. Uh, without trashing the comic, I did think it was the weakest of some of the King and Black tie-ins. Yeah, those have been very, very good. I don't think this was quite up to the standard. This just felt like a Spider-Man annual story, um, if anything. Like, agreed, so. Agree. It's not. It is not by far the most substantive King and Black no. story at all, and it, it is, is clearly really made
4: just to launch Reptiles comic. It feels <laughs> like. Uh,
0: Um, But um, Peter, I mean, it it did frame Peter Parker and it did some interesting things. I will give it the interesting. And I thought this was what the comic and I think maybe I was disappointed was the opening is really powerful when he's freaking out why he's having anxiety is because he realizes he's the first person he's patient zero for symbiotes. And, and Earth 616, right? They yeah. weren't a problem until he brought that suit. And so now all of this stuff is happening and it's hitting him, just how much death it's caused, how much destruction it's caused. And I thought that was going to be the crux of the issue. And so because that opening is very profound. You're like, whoa, you know, I never thought about it. It's like kind of like a Martha moment. You're like, wow, I never really thought about that. But yeah, Spider-Man, you've caused a lot of crap because you brought that suit that people told you don't mess with and brought it back to earth and like did all this crazy stuff. So, um, I think I, when it strayed from that path, I was a little disappointed, uh, cause it did become a reptile launch pad or reptile, but, um, I'm not going to so crap funny. on it because, no, uh, but that's
4: just really funny though, that like, that's the part that lost me. And it's funny that that's actually the part that, like, that got you because it's like spider-man self-loathing i swear you could write a whole series on just issues <laughs> where he's it's my fault it's my fault like it's like oh my god like him saying it's my fault is kind of like me watching the pearls fly every time a batman story is told i got it i don't need that every every time <laughs> like stop telling there's, the same yeah, story over and over peter
0: again peter parker beating himself up but in this case it is his damn fault like it actually is his. it is um, <laughs> okay, <very laughs> This is very much so true. And so um, this was just the weakest of the tie-ins. I I, I would have taken another issue of Thunderbolts because I love that. Uh, that Thunderbolts is good too. Well, so anyway, so that
4: I will say out of all the things we've talked about today, I think the most divisive grenade was in comics. Who knew? Who knew of all the things we talked about today, this would be the one to distract.
2: We don't have uh, our impressions yet on.
4: (laughs) Well, that's true. We definitely have
0: impressions now. My impression is we don't need to bother with you reading X-Men comics anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm trying. I'm trying. I need to crash for the beginners. I I feel like you just, I feel
0: like you just cell phoned. Are you though? Are
2: you sure
4: and by the high? way, Digi artist I will happily sit by myself at that table. I will be happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you got anything else for
4: comics, buddy? Uh no, uh, there was some other uh, good things, but like these these were uh part of the, the biggest issues. I will say, uh, because as Kofi admitted to being a stan of Zack Snyder, I am a Captain Marvel stan for life. So Captain Marvel's new issue came out. And for those who are uh interested in seeing something kind of shocking, I will say it involves one of Janelle's. Favorite characters. Uh, this is an issue you probably want to read, and it, and it actually has some really interesting things there. So, if you are going to check something else out, that would be the take. But otherwise, that's comics.
0: All right. Thank you, Matt. Now, for you, Star Wars fans, thank you for sticking with us. If you just jumped in the show for this, we, well, we, I had a chance to sit down with Star Wars, the High Republic comic writer, Kevin Scott, who has written a whole bunch of other good Star Wars novels and other kind of geek genre stuff. And we talked about Star Wars, The High Republic, the comic, the overall larger kind of movement within the Star Wars franchise and what we can expect to see in the future. So uh, let's take a look at that. Hi, this is Kofi Outlaw. We are here, Comic Book Nation, talking to Mr. Kevin Scott the writer of Star Wars, The High Republic comic book, plus a, a whole laundry list of other Star Wars and great other genre projects that you are well known for. Thank you for taking the time to uh, join us today.
5: No, thanks for talking to me, it's great.
0: We're just jumping right in. As someone who's written Star Wars material before, you've been mm-hmm. in this franchise, what is the novelty of approaching this new era in The High Republic?
5: I think the novelty is the fact that everything's new. I mean, we we there is obviously very recognizable elements of Star Wars. There are the Jedi, there is the Galaxy, the Republic, there are recognizable species um, and aliens. But because we are dealing with a, an era that's never really been explored, whether whether that's modern canon or back in the old expanded universe, um, it's a, it's a sense of all all bets are off really, because when we work with things where we're tying into the films and the TV shows and that kind of thing, you pretty much know what's going to happen to those characters. You know, my colleague Charles Sowell always says that, you know, with Luke Skywalker, we literally know when he's born, when he lives and when he dies, you know, so every story we write with Luke is sort of tied into those fixed points in time with these group of characters we created for the high Republic. We, well, we know what's gonna happen to them, but the reader doesn't know what's gonna happen to them. Um, And so that gives us a great sense of freedom that we can tell stories where everything isn't set in stone before we've even began.
0: That answers kind of my next question, which is how is different working with this set of Jedi as opposed to the ones we knew from the Skywalker saga when the order is a little bit thinner, let's say. Uh, Sure. Let's talk about now doing this in the comic form of the High Republic with this group and char- of Jedi characters who are in their prime when the order is full and you know yep. fully pumping and out there. Can you talk about what it's like both writing and creating the visual interpretations of these Jedi and what kind of new ideas and force abilities and things you guys get to play with and possibly to tease any ideas that we might see coming down the pike?
5: Sure, so I mean the, the interesting about these Jedi is that we know from Obi-Wan that, you know, they were the guardians of peace and justice and, and all those things, but we never really saw that. You know, we see that the Jedi in the period of the clone wars when they're literally having to fight a war, you know. So um they're being forced into a very particular way of thinking. Our Jedi have been very successful at their job for hundreds of years, and they live in a republic that is largely peaceful you know there it's a republic where there is a renaissance going on when they are pushing out into the outer rim um, and into the frontier um so our jedi have never really had to cope with the fact that there is large forces um, that they've got to deal with they've had to deal with issues but they're very used to the fact that if they, if a jedi turns up and they draw their lightsaber before they even lit their lightsaber people have usually put down their guns because you know people know that once the jedi arrive its end of play um suddenly they find themselves in a situation when they face a foe where they don't that doesn't happen and, and actually the foe will just fire their blaster right back and they won't they won't respect the jedi order in the same way as other people will so it's been very interesting dealing with a jedi order who have had it their own way for a long time and and because of that are probably a little bit more free in how they interpret The code, excuse me, the Jedi code. How they interpret the Force. They're very open. They're out with the people. They're not hidden behind temples or like in the in the prequel era when they're they're literally in one temple on one planet. You know, these are Jedi that have outposts all over the galaxy. Where there are a large number of people, there is a Jedi outpost. And those Jedi outposts are out with those people, and they're walking with them. And the people know them and they respect them, which is why the Jedi have been able to do what they've done, Um, because they're not a mythical race of space wizards who are out there. You know, they—they are people who um, live alongside the, ga- um, the the galaxy's citizens. Um, so yeah, it, it's given us a great deal of freedom to think about how they would interpret their rules, their regulations, their law. How they would interpret how they see the Force. How the how the Force is perceived by. Um, the galaxy as a whole because again we live we usually write in a period of star wars where the force is this mystical thing that people don't have, have fallen out of belief in you know you know it's, it's something that people used to believe it's a dead religion in a lot of ways this is a very active thing um during the time of the high republic when it comes to creating them i don't think i've ever worked i mean i've written i've written comics for 16 odd years i don't think i've ever ever written, uh, worked on a, a a book series, a comic series, where there has been so much work beforehand on the concept, on the on, on the way it looks, on the you know, we we literally had Disney um, concept artists who usually work on films coming with us and working up the designs of these characters. I mean, Ian McKay, you know, the, the guy who created Darth Maul, was creating um, concept art for us. That's unheard of for a project like this. Um, so it's been it's been a real privilege to be able to see that world form around you. And so when you're writing comics, you're used to dealing with that kind of thing when you write for the artist and the artist creates. But um, even for our artists, for Ario and the Marvel book, he was suddenly, div- he was, had all these, this, this concept art, which he could use and he could interpret in a different way to when you're getting references for a film, you know, this was stuff that was still an ongoing, it was organic, it was ongoing. It was a conversation we were able to have. So yeah, it's been a, It's been a completely different experience to working on other areas in Star Wars.
0: There's a panel in the book where, early on, where uh, the main heroine of your arc, Keeve Trennis, she is Mm. explaining this kind of migration of these, I guess, I forget how to describe them. Maybe they're like space locusts, I forget exactly. I don't want to offend any Star Wars fans. Um, But that visual representation was like, made me geek out really hard. I was like, oh, because you could see a Jedi actually visualizing this entire kind of lifespan of something in the force and seeing it as opposed yeah. to kind of just hearing about it, like described, is there anything on the force or the dark side upcoming that you think is going to be really cool for fans to actually see visually?
5: Oh yes. I mean, the things we've, um, obviously this is star Wars. I can't, I can't tell you much because I, you know, I will be shocked. Um, but we do that's that vision that we see, Keep having an issue one is only the beginning. And we, we see how how you can explore different people and different beings through the force. Um, it has been one of the the joys in this is that we have been given some freedom to explore different interpretations of the force because people come from different cultures within Star Wars, and even though the Jedi from a very early age are nothing but Jedi, you know, they still have. Because they're in the galaxy, they they still know a Wookiee would know other Wookies, even though they've been perhaps brought up in the temple since they were, you know, three or younger. Um so yeah, we have been able to explore what individually, and this was something Charles did in, in the first novel Light of the Jedi with with Ava Chris, who's also in the comic, when she experiences the force as music. And it's how she we're not we're not saying there is an actual song for the force. But it's how she has learned to manipulate the force to to use the force to manipulate the wrong word, because it's not what a Jedi does, but to tap into the force, because there's something in her being that is musical. And so that's the way she uses it Um, in the same way as, you know, us as non Jedi humans, most of us anyway. um, You know, if we meditate, there are different ways to get that meditation going. Um, And so that's. That's the way we've tried to look at the Force. Um, and yeah, there is, there's been more freedom than I think I, I've been allowed to to explore in other areas. Because we have seen in Star Wars you know, elements of the Force through Force visions, but they're usually on the dark side. They're usually on the slightly scary side of the Force. It's been very rare for us to see something um, other than perhaps later, later in the Clone Wars when you see Yoda going off and exploring what it means to be a Force ghost and that kind of thing. Um, I think this is the first time we've really been given a chance to really explore what a light side experience of the force would be.
0: That kind of brings up something I had forgotten about in all my readings till you just mentioned mm-hmm. it right now. So I'm sorry I didn't put this on like the question sheet. But um yeah, there's one thing that's very interesting to me is kind of knowing where things end up. At this point, the Jedi order has a very wide interpretation of the force, as you just described. Avar Chris uses mm-hmm. kind of actors do other things. Um and it's kind of made. Push that we see in the Jedi Order. My only question is, am I overreading that, or is that something that is destined to become a point of conflict within the Order?
5: No, I think that is a bit of an overreader. I don't think we've ever said that, because Yoda's reading is exactly the same as all the rest. It's just, I mean, when Yoda talks about the, the life you know the force being a force of, you know through nature through the the trees the rocks the everything um that's still exactly um how the jedi view the force it's just again it's it's, it's not so much that they're that hasn't become like the doctrine uh, of the of the order it's more the fact that again different people are interpreting their way to tap into the force in a different way. But yeah, it's still the the idea that the force is through everything and it's the energy field that I mean, personally, for me, I think Obi-Wan sums it up best in Star Wars. I think it's the best, been the best description of, of the force ever. You know, that that is the thing that that binds every everything together within the galaxy. And it's what is where the Jedi gets its power from by tapping into that. Um, so yeah, there there has been there's been a, a lot of discussion about Yoda um online and yoda's part in the high republic and then this sense that yoda is somehow to blame for what's happened but i don't think we've ever said that and i don't think we ever would because that's not what we believe um and we spend a lot of time talking about yoda every time yoda, yoda casts a very long shadow for such a small being um and every time yoda's in a scene he's the most important person in that scene so we've been very careful how we treated Yoda and and tried very much to treat him with respect. He is in a slightly different position in the High Republic. He is on the council, but has decided to take a bit of sabbatical from that um, and is teaching Padawan, which is what we know he loves doing. Um, So there is also a sense that when Yoda isn't there, the rest of the Jedi, our Jedi we've created are going, I wish Yoda was here because they all still look to him. Um And there's a familiar, familiarity with them and Yoda because he's their peer in a lot of ways, but he's still also their master. He's trained in some way or another, most of these people. Because um, let's face it, even though he's in the High Republic and we keep talking about young Yoda, he's
0: still quite old
5: and he's still been around for an awful uh, long
0: time. I've been very guilty uh, of helping to push that uh, name because I yeah. just didn't have anything. Mid-aged Yoda didn't sound Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It attractive, very yeah. so attractive, uh, um, yeah.
5: And he's um, still a big presence in the in the order at this point.
0: Yeah, I think my reading—I'm always looking for sinister threads—and I think my reading of that came because I came into this franchise through Into the Dark, which was the first project I took on. Yeah, which uh, has three Jedi characters who are very much questioning their place in the order and hmm. how the order interprets the Force. Uh, Orla, Wreath, and uh, uh, Cormac—I uh, think I yeah I think I have his name Yeah, right. Cormac. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that kind of set off my bells. But one thing related to that that's interesting is the comic series that the High Republic comic series seems to dovetail between the events of the novel. So Light of the Jedi happens and then you begin to get Keeve's story. Then there's events of Into the Dark that come into it in issues two and three. My question is, is that a synchronicity we can expect to continue with the comic series in particular as new novels and projects come out that this will kind of dovetail in between them?
5: Absolutely. And hopefully tell its own story as well. Um, You know, we, we all mapped out the story before we knew what elements we'd be writing. So um, there was an, there was a long period when I didn't know I was going to be writing the Marvel comic when Charles didn't know he was going to be writing the first novel and Claudia didn't realise she was going to be writing the YA. Um, And so we were all working on the story and and putting in the the foundations of what we're telling now. Um, And obviously, as soon as we got those assignments we started to focus more on those particular parts of the story but yeah very much so i'm seeing the marvel run as a, a spine through everything because it's the one thing and that and the the idw um run as well of star wars um high republic adventures they're the things that people are going to have every month um uh, while the books obviously come in waves um so there's definitely you're definitely going to see some of the characters um popping in and out um as well as not just the books. some of the short, we've got short stories running in Star Wars Insider magazine, they will definitely re- relate and some of the characters from those will appear in the comic. Um, so yeah, you will definitely see that, that's, um,
0: the that two synchronicity comics, is still there. Will the comics reference each other?
5: Um, yeah, I would definitely think that might happen. Okay. He says, not telling a word. Oh, no, I don't <laughs>
0: want any spoilers. I'm, I'm in yeah, for this yeah. ride. It, it, this ride yeah. is getting me through 2020 and 2021. I, I'm oh, that's good to know. In. Yeah. Um, how difficult, one thing I've, I've actually had to go into several threads and help people, and we've done an experiment on this podcast that's interesting in the sense that I've read a lot of the, all the books. I, mm-hmm. My co-host, I just had them read the comic and see right. how what the effect would be. And yeah. So far I can say it's very good that it, it creates the intrigue for them to want to go find out more and say, yeah. okay, I want to see this story in light of Jedi in the light of the Jedi and in, into the dark. Yeah. How hard is it for you to do the comic and keep it, as you said, a standalone telling its own stories and link these different parts together? Because I've seen some things like people wondering, you know, the comic has built a great mystery around master skier and you know, what's going on with him and his emotional state and his arm and people saying, I wonder if we're ever going to get the backstory of his arm and I being like, "Ah, you got to read Light of the Jedi. And I pop into these things. How much are you guys learning as this process unfolds about the give and take of of how to kind of maintain all that? Or is it changing or is the original plan kind of holding?
5: The original plan is holding. I mean, what's been interesting is that we've tried to plan it in such a way. I mean, we know how the High Republic as a whole, all three phases ends and we know the major points of how we're getting there what we've tried to do is al- allow enough freedom that obviously when you've got five five writers all writing along one story when you write even one person writing a story the story evolves as you're writing it because things happen ideas happen when you're working with a group of five people um and that's before you get into the artists and everyone else that's involved there will be moments when actually you have a problem where you say oh i need to use such and such a character and someone says but i'm using that character over here and they can't be in that part of the galaxy at the point and you go oh yeah how are we going to solve this out and actually those problems the solution is always better than what you originally came up with. Um, so we have put in a little bit of freedom that we are. We can have those moments when we can, you know, Daniel on the on the Adventures um, IDW line can come up with something and say, "How will this affect the Marvel run?" And I can say, "Well, at the minute, that can't really happen. But if we did this, we can get to the same point." And I I always like those moments. So I think that's it's. I mean, I, I write across, you know, audio b- books, comics. I always like the mediums where you have a group writing because I like those moments. I like the moments when you have to plan stuff and you have to get around stuff and you have to come up with solutions. Um, and that's exactly what's happening here. Um, and also we're having new new elements that are coming in that we weren't expecting. One of the, the, the benefits of having the delay that the pandemic caused is that we made the announcement and then everything went quiet because, you know, because publishing schedules had to move. And in that period, people came in and said, oh we'd like you to do a graphic novel or we'd like you to do you know these short stories which were which meant we were able to tell elements we were already going to tell but in a slightly different way so again we've we've built in that flexibility that that can happen and also we want to see what readers and who readers are going to respond to i mean it's been so gratifying to see the response to skier because i knew he was going to be i hoped he was going
0: to be you know People
5: fall in love with um, and want to know more about, and so that you go, well, how how can we tell that story? Um, so yeah, it's um, there are more moving parts in this, I think, than anything I've ever worked on. But that's the excitement and the fun, and the, you know, the five of us are talking every day and we're reading each other's material every day, and so um, it is an ongoing process.
0: One more behind the scenes question I had mm-hmm. as I'm getting into the comic series and I'm getting invested in these characters, and these story arcs. What will be the format of the High Republic comic going forward? Is it going to be uh, following a set of main character an anthology that kind of changes creative teams and this is your arc, your characters, and then there will be a new team and then we'll get maybe uh, a focus on another story arc from around the High Republic?
5: No, this is, um, the the Marvel run is Keith's story um, and Scare and and the twins and Ava, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to be writing it throughout. So. Um, Yeah, I mean, there are certain key, I mean, on on some of the other series, like Charles wrote the first, Del novel, I'm writing the second, or I've written the second. Um, So on Elements, we are moving around a bit and telling different stories in different parts, but on the two comic runs, um, it's Daniel um, Jose Older throughout for um, High Republic Adventures, and it's me throughout for the Marvel run.
0: Awesome. Now, issue number three, which was uh, yes. the one I was happy I kind of waited for before we did this because yes. uh, pivotal, a pivotal issue. Revealed the uh, new dark side threat called, and I hope I'm saying this right, the Drenger. How do you. Grengear. Gear. Okay. I've been. Yeah. That's a. Just started with that question. How do you. I want to make yeah, sure yeah. I'm saying this right. Because when you read yeah. these things in novels, of course, it, I can make up my own bad mispronunciation in my. Oh, own.
5: it's Star Wars. I mean, we've got Han and Han. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a Brit. We, we grew up saying Han solo and didn't realize until, you know, Lando came along that that wasn't right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's Star Wars. There are loads of different pronunciations. I think you can get away with that.
0: So the Drengear are these living plant monsters. What can you tell us about their role in the High Republic?
5: Um, They are a shock to the members of the Republic. They have been lurking behind the surface, dormant for for generations. Um, Whether they've been waiting or whether it was forced on them, that will come. I mean, people who've read um, Into the Dark will know a little bit more about their backgrounds. the idea for the drain gear came from the fact of, you know, just like in the real world, when people move into an area where perhaps they weren't supposed to be living or they weren't expected to be living, there will be certain elements of, of the environment that they will um, encounter that will set off, you know, unexpected chain reactions. And one of those for us is the drain gear So what we also we wanted to give another threat to the Republic. So it wasn't just the Nile, who are our big bad for, for the for this first part of the story. Um, we wanted to make the galaxy a little bit more exciting, and a little more dangerous, you know? So you're not just all looking at the same way, you know? It's not just, and, and this has been the same throughout Star Wars. Yes, in the original trilogy, you had the Empire, but there were also bounty hunters, there were pirates. There was lots of different, you know, the, the Empire was obviously overseeing everything as when it comes to the threat, but, there were lots of different ways, especially in the comics, especially in the books, you know, different threats that the heroes could face. And that's definitely something we wanted to do. So the Drengear, um was something I, I pushed. It was a, a um, Ian came up with a design which I, I jumped upon. Um, I'm a horror fan. I think I, I, people only have to follow me on Twitter and, and, and to find that out. Um, and I wanted to, especially in this early arc in the Marvel comics, throw the Jedi who haven't had to deal with all these dark, terrible threats for so long, into a situation when they're in complete horror. Um, and so it was very important to me that we start with a horror story, which is exactly what we've got with the Drenge.
0: Yeah, when I read Into the Dark, and uh, no spoilers for that, uh, but this is where these characters first appear. That's not a spoiler, really. Um, yeah, I was just like, oh, we're going really Scott with it. And I never really thought, like, how much I would enjoy that in Star Wars, that kind of sci-fi horror element. What's very interesting to me about the Dren gear is that they are a dark side threat of a very different kind than we've seen before, and that in the novel and in the comic, it, it suggested that they are very dangerous for the Jedi, both mentally and spiritually. Can you elaborate about any of that without spoiling anything?
5: Well, it's that element of I think it comes for me. The fascination comes from Empire Strikes Back when Luke is sent into the you know in for his trial and that place is is drenched in the dark side and so i i was always fascinated by the idea that if the force is bound it comes through the surroundings and the environment and it was it's what binds everything together and there are places that are light there are also places that are dark and that and that would run through everything that there would be Nature that is light and nature that is dark, um, and there would be environments that are light and environments that are dark. And we know this from, you know, legends and and law. You know, the, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant is built on a dark side site, which is what happened in the real world with a lot of churches. A lot of churches were built on areas where there were um, old pagan or what we now call pagan um, belief systems and and space and sacred places, so they were sanctified, which again i i I'm, I'm yeah i've got a theology degree i'm fascinated by folk folklore that's the kind of stuff that i get off on so um i just love the idea that there is this creeping horror that the the that the dark side through nature can get to people um and and yeah it absolutely goes into that folk horror those folk horror tropes of being out in nature and being out in the forest and being out in the woods and the actual plants around you seem to be creeping towards you and, and, and trying to grasp you. So yeah, that, that was definitely where that came from.
0: Going to the other side of kind of our villain map, you've already mentioned the Nile, and mm-hmm. there are these space pirates that kind of set off this chain thing in light of the Jedi, which I invite everybody to go check out. Um, one of the things that's been interesting about the comic is it's introduced this kind of gang war, so to speak, between the huts and the Nile. And it's something that was also part of Into the Dark and was a very kind of interesting thing when that reveal came up to me. Can you tell us about how big this game war gets, and how when taking on storylines like this, where Star Wars fans kind of know the outcome, uh, how do you create the tension and the intrigue in that? Well,
5: again, I think this gives us a chance to look at the Huts um, as a organization, as a group. In the same way that High Republic gives us a chance to look at what the Jedi, when Obi-Wan talks about the Jedi and he's talking about that period of, you know, when they were at their height, which obviously isn't the, the prequels, as we soon <laughs> find out when we see the prequels, you know, I think we all expected that's what the prequels were. And then through the story we realised it was a, you know, it was rose tinted glasses from before that. With the huts as well, we know they're warlords. We know that, you know, there is a, um, there is a history there. Um, when they weren't just a bunch of gangsters, they had power. They've got their own area of space, they've got hut space. And so then there must have been conflicts. Um, and when we were discussing the idea of the Republic pushing out into the um into the frontier, that yes, they would come up against the Nile, but they would also come up against people like the Huts who have had a free reign in that part of space. Um, so yeah, it gives us the chance to think back of a of a period of time when the Huts were perhaps a bit more active. In every sense of the word um than we see them later on um where perhaps they do have a bit more power because there isn't an empire keeping them in place or isn't a republic even in the same way we've seen the republic you know this is a republic when it's starting to push out when it hasn't got established um and in some ways when it hasn't given up areas of the outer rim to the huts you know which it seems to be what we have in the prequels and and the uh, and the uh, the original trilogy so so yeah it's um i was again i few of us w- were very eager to put the huts into it um but to move them away from just what we see from jabba um you know and move them to be an active part of the galaxy and what that would mean and going back to the old um the old saying of you know the the enemy of my enemy is my friend and seeing how that would work and, and seeing um if there would be a moment when the republic and the huts would have to
0: join forces interesting (laughs) finally before we let you go without any spoilers can you just tell me conceptually about the larger upcoming storyline of star wars the high republic what is it about it conceptually that you or the entire writers group are most excited for star wars fans to experience
5: well, the funny thing is that we've got opposite this first wave of stories but this really is this is the james bond pre-title sequences you know this is this is just you know we have but this is this is a story that we've planned for years and will be going on for years so i think i'm most excited when people start realizing the scope of what we're planning um and the fact that yeah, these these events we've seen now, they are really only the exciting instant. they're only really what kicks off the story, they're not what the story is. Um, and I can't tell you much more without giving you horrendous spoilers, but there's been a lot of Jedi that we've teased and, and, and you know, um, that we've mentioned along the way with some of the Jedi we've met now. Again, these are only their early days in the story we're gonna tell. And so their world is gonna dramatically change. Um, And yeah, I can't wait for people to see how.
0: This sounds awesome. And you just made me think of just one follow-up that I have to ask you. When you guys were planning this out, uh, one thing that was interesting is when uh, on the other side, Lucasfilm did their kind of live action TV and they dropped this show that's wrapped in mystery, the The Acolyte. They said it's the end of the High Republic. So when you guys planned all this, did you plan for this to arrive at that destination at the end of the era?
5: No, because I think we predated that. Okay. Um, Because we've been working on this for a good number of years now. So, what happened was that you know people were getting excited about the High Republic as we were creating it, which was great to see, you know, and there have been all these other plans as well. But the great thing that Star Wars is so good at taking that this thing's been worked on over here, this thing's been worked over on here, so let's bring it together. Um, and and yeah, I mean, the High Republic as an era goes on for an awful long time. Um, because you know, it is that period of time before the fall of the Jedi. And so um, so yeah, no, it's been really exciting to sort of see other threads of, of Star Wars coming in um, as they've been developed as well and, and to see us all working together to, to get to that, those final points. But um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting few years ahead.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Kevin and Scott. Thank you for everything you guys are doing in uh, this new era of Star Wars that we've had. We've, we've needed the content at this time more than ever. So thank you very no much for joining us on Comic Book Nation. Okay, that was our interview with uh, Mr. Kevin Scott. As you can see, I am all alone. My co-host had to uh, drop off and get to other things because we got to keep this comic book machine rolling. But we want to thank you guys, if you're still here, for tuning in for our full geek-tastic episode with Falcon and Winter Soldier, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Star Wars The High Republic with Kevin Scott. This was awesome, and thank you to all my co-hosts, to uh, Janelle, Matt, as usual, J.K., Adam for jumping on with us, You guys, if you're just getting into Comic Book Nation, we put up episodes every Wednesday where you can subscribe and listen to the show on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of that. We are also now dropping, every episode is live on Twitch, live on Facebook, live on YouTube at the same time. If you miss it, you can always go back and uh, watch them again. We will also post this article with the video and the audio up on comicbook.com today. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review because When at some point this year we get back in our office, we have a whole year's worth of t-shirts to send out to our five-star reviewers. And that could be you. Otherwise, I want to thank you all for tuning in again. This is Comic Book Nation. Comic Book Nation. Oh, my God. We had a great show till now. Comic Book Nation. I am Kofi Outlaw. Peace.